Hi, and welcome to Rich in Relationship. And today we're hanging out with Callan Blount Fleming, the founder and CEO of Spark Collective. How are you today, Callan? Hello, I'm great. How are you doing? I'm awesome. I'm always awesome when I get to hang out with one of my <laughs> new pandemic video friends. I know, I know. Someday I will see this person. <laughs> I know. But so great that we've had the opportunity to connect. I wonder how many connections have been made during this year that wouldn't have happened otherwise. Yeah, well, I saw, uh, I get Harrow, which is help a reporter out. And one of the questions was for psychiatrists and psychologists was, how do you think that video friendships are gonna transition as things normalize, you know, or, or it, and another angle on that would be, how could they, you know, what right. could you do to make them, I mean, maybe they were, it might be they remain video friendships forever. And does that really matter? There's a whole new world out there. Who knows? Yeah. Who knows? So welcome to the show. And the question that I ask everybody is, how did your heart lead you to do the work that you do? Well, I absolutely love that question because the work that I do is completely heart-led and completely personal. Um, about four years ago, I started my own company. I found out the same weekend that I kind of set up shop that I was pregnant with my first kiddo. Mm -hmm. And I had nine months to kind of build this organization that I was so excited about called Spark Collective that uh, was really meant to partner with professionals and partner with companies to coach and train and help people to just really unlock all of their potential. And after I came back to work from having my daughter, I had had a really great and adequately long parental leave. Um, I had really felt recovered and ready to come back. So I thought I was in this great position. And my first day back at work, I got maybe two hours into work and our babysitter called and said that she had the flu, that she right. needed to go home. And either my husband or I needed to come home and relieve her. And there were like so many thoughts that went through my head in that moment, including how could I not possibly seen this one coming like everyone knows you need to have the backup plan and i just didn't plan for it but you need, a, you need a backup plan <laughs> you need backup plans um when you're depending on other people to, to help raise your children you do um and i just shut down my computer i ran home and i uh, spent the next four days again with my kiddo kind of on my extended maternity leave uh trying to fit in work during nap times and just really worried at the end of the week that I wasn't going to be able to pull off this big thing of working and parenting. Mm -hmm. And that weekend, I remember having um, like a flashback almost to when I was a manager of working parents on my team, because what I was thinking through was like, wow, if I weren't my own boss, how would this week have played out? You know, like how much harder would it have been in the work, you know, the, the formal work context. And, um, when I was managing working parents, there was one working parent in particular on my team whose kiddo was born 29 weeks, like 11 weeks early, which is mm -hmm. extremely early. Yeah. And um, they happened to be in Washington, DC for their baby shower, but they lived in Brooklyn. So here they were um, with a brand new baby that they're very concerned about understandably, and they're in a city that they don't live in. And the organization that we worked at only gave him a two week paternity leave and then asked him to be back in the office. So this poor guy was shuttling back and forth on an Amtrak train between the hospital and his family and New York city. And 
I felt like it was a sensitive situation, but I didn't really know how to handle it. I didn't have children myself. I wasn't trained at all in management. Anything I knew about management, I learned in books. So I asked some mentors what I should do. And they told me to just act like it was business as usual. You know, you do your work at work and you do your parenting at home. And anytime you confuse the two, it's just too messy. And that's the way it should be. Yeah, right. God forbid those worlds should ever overlap. Right. And mind you, I want to just, just like point out what's been going on in this country for the yes. last year. <laughs> yes. Yes. So this wasn't that long ago either. I'm just going to say yeah. this much. Right. So I took this advice because it was what I had. And there was a particular moment where he was on the train because he was always on the train. The poor guy was just like always traveling. And we kind of had to come to over some feedback um, that I was giving him because as you can imagine, he needs a lot more support in this moment with his work. Uh-huh. And I just, I just went hard on feedback. And to his credit, he came right back and said, you know, he basically gave me all the feedback in the world of how I could have handled that situation better. And then two weeks later, he resigned. And as a parent, reflecting on that moment, I finally got it. I was like, I can't imagine what the conversation must have been like for him in saying, not only did we just have this child 11 weeks before we planned, not only are we going to have to figure out how to deal with that until we're very clear that he's healthy and and all of that good stuff, but I need to quit my job. Yeah. <laughs> like the, and and just being contributing to a culture that like made him feel that way, but also signaled for everyone else who works there that like you may not be able to be successful at work and at home here. Um, I was really ashamed about, to be completely honest. So my heart led me at that moment to focus Spark Collective completely on this question of how are we going to make work actually work for parents? Because it doesn't. And how can we look at that from the leadership development perspective? Because you can have great policies like gender neutral paid leave. You can have great procedures like flexible work schedules, Uh but it absolutely will not matter if you don't train people and deal with the cultures and the kind of interactions that he and I had in that moment. So that's what we do. Yeah, my daughter and I were just going back and forth about inclusion at work. And we were talking about how so many, and I don't want to go down this rabbit hole, but it just, this conversation brings it up, how so many of the policies that company have assume that when a baby is born, the mom should be the one who's going to be at yep. home with the baby and the father should be working yep. instead of giving father time off also, because just maybe the mom might want him there and he might want to be with his family and he might with his baby. But because of that, then there's this whole misconception in the, in the company culture that uh, women are going to disappear for periods of time and men aren't, and therefore men have more value and should be paid more, right? Yes. It's, like, it's so crazy, not crazy, it's so, that's actually sad how there are all these assumptions about men and women and family that are in the corporate world and how that, how that continues to maintain a disparity in pay and opportunity between men and women. Um, and in this case, you know, it, it, it actually, made this guy's life really incredibly uncomfortable to the point where he was willing to leave the job because his family was yes absolutely yes it cuts both ways it cuts both ways and and there's so many rich pieces of gold in what you just said there the idea that um work and life that parenting actually caregiving and work are these mutually exclusive things that don't work together like that's made up it's actually not true when you look at the research I'll tell you some research is going to blow your mind. So Ruth Feldman at Yale basically studied the parenting brain. And 
apparently, if you are a parent, whether you are the birthing mom or the non-birthing parent, and you have the support that you need and lean into the daily activities of caregiving that first year of having a child, you become neurologically primed to build all the skills that you need to, to not only parent effectively, but be more compassionate, have more empathy, be able to be more present in the moment and synthesize information and collaborate, which by the way, are four skills that I get called all the time to train professionals in because they are so hard to train. So essentially parenthood primes you to be a better professional. And yet we still in 2021 see caregiving as not only the mom's thing, but also not compatible with work at all. And men are the ones who go to work and men are like, I'd like to be a parent too, please. Um, and so it's, we just need to, we just need to name the thing just as you did. And then say, what do we want to do with it? Because we made it all up. So yeah. what do we want to, what do we want to make up again? We're, we're always making it all up. This is yeah. <laughs> a coach is the recognition <laughs> that we, it's all a story and we can, we can write it again. Exactly. And so you've been doing a lot of work with parents during the pandemic. And you know, as so many parents have experienced, my kids are actually all grown and out, but I've had a, a granddaughter here. You know, mm -hmm. And so we, even though my children are out and self-supporting, even I have had this experience of how do I balance my work and show up as a grandparent. You know, yeah. and my, my daughter really needs me to show up for that granddaughter so that she can get some work done. So yes. how, you know, there's a lot of this mixing of <laughs> my Actually, my daughter is now visiting from college and she was doing her uh, ballet class online and my granddaughter put on her tutu and got into class with her. I mean, there are all these mm. ways, yeah, it was so, it's so cute. So there are cute. all these ways that, that work you know, yeah. and child rearing family are blended now in the pandemic. Yeah. I, yeah. I, tell us about some of the work you've been doing in this environment. Yeah, um, well, I also have a personal experience of that because I lived with my in-laws for six months this year because I just had a, I had a baby about a year ago, right in the height of all the confusion and challenge here in New York City. So um, I deeply appreciate the extended family and care of, of um, multi-generational homes mm -hmm. in a way that I never personally understood it um, before. I was yeah, all of a sudden in-laws are not are more than a pain in the ass. They actually can help. <laughs> Well, you know, the truth be told, I, I was very nervous about it because I very much want to be the um, kind and polite person when I visit your home. Um, and I, I know postpartum me, I'd done it before. And I was like, I just don't, I'm not going to be as polite as I am at Christmas. You know, I'm going to eat whatever I want and do whatever I want. And, um, but there is something to, I do think my recovery was better because I had more hands to help me. And that, that is a really important thing, I think, for all of us to kind of understand whether you do this thing in a pandemic or not, is just how are you inviting community around you to support you? Um, and that dovetails into what we've been doing at Spark Collective. So we started this work working with parents many years ago, and as the pandemic kind of shaped up, we put together a 10-week masterclass where um, parents can do a lot of their learning online in their own time, 10-minute snippets a day. And then every few weeks or so they get together with a group of parents to talk through what we're learning about and what we're thinking about. And because I'm a leadership coach, all of our stuff lives in the world between um, the intersection of parenting and work, right? So we're all going through a transition right now. We all have to decide what's our new best gonna look like. 
-hmm. Like what's our new A plus, you know, we can't have the same expectations of ourselves right now that we did 18 months ago. So how do we recraft that and feel better about the expectations that we set for ourselves at work and at home? We talk about division of labor. You know, you and I've had this conversation before, but we are all burning out because we have too much to do. Right. And we need to be thoughtful about the demands on our time because the only person who is going to uh, care for your time uh, in the way that it needs to be is you, right? Exactly. Yeah, you, cannot, you cannot depend on anyone else to protect your schedule. So thinking about not only how you spend your time, but also your energy, where you get energy from, how you're taking care of yourself. We talked about how to have challenging conversations, whether it's at work or home, because a lot of times it, something blocks us from asking for the thing that we need. Um, and so how do we kind of prepare ourselves with a framework to do that so that mm -hmm. it feels just a little bit more, you know, um, like a habit so that the real conversation can unfold with curiosity and candor. And then we talk about things that come up whenever you're doing anything that's tough or anything that requires bravery. You know, those voices in your head that are super mean and critical because they're trying to keep you safe, but they're actually getting in your way. We talk through all that stuff. So it's super cool because it's so effective right now. And I've seen parents, you know, really appreciate not only the content, but the connection with other parents yeah. and the camaraderie. Especially while we're all feeling so socially isolated. I mean, it's, it kind of goes back to where we started, even though we've got this, it, it's, it, I think that Zoom on its own is, doesn't often promote deep sharing, but if you're in a workshop or a masterclass where it's encouraging you to dig and encouraging you to seek and encouraging you to look, then that deeper sharing happened and that, and that connection that's, that's kind of missing for so many people starts to occur, even if it's through Zoom. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. And we uh, get everyone on a text chain and the text chain from our first masterclass is still going off. I mean, like people are checking in with each other every day and it's, it's really encouraging to see. Um, so, and, and, and it's helping people. Like we, we've seen people decide to stay in their jobs because they found a new path to success. We've seen people feel better about their relationships and their marriages. Um, so yeah, I, it's super exciting work. Um, it feels essential. Um, and I, I just really want every parent to have what they need right now because it's a, it's always been challenging, just the way we've kind of set up parenting, um, or I should say the systems that have been set up around parenting, but not for parenting. Mm -hmm. And I think that there are opportunities now for us to do a whole lot better. So from a, just from a scheduling point of view, how does the masterclass work for people? Yeah, so it's, like I said, it's over the course of, the t of 10 weeks. So they get their first digital class that takes a total of about an hour and a half, but they can do it whenever they want to over a two week period. So that would be like the, the equivalent of something like on Thinkific or something like that, where you've mm -hmm. got like a video and a workbook mm -hmm. and, mm -hmm. uh, and if, if there's probably a way to access people if you have questions. Yep. There's videos, there's exercises, there's office hours with me or another master coach. Um, and then after the two week period, you get together with your cohort of parents, discuss the content that you have just reviewed because you and I both know it's one thing to hear something. It's another thing to do it yeah. and to talk about it and to try it and then try it again and, and iterate. So then the next two week block, you have new content. You do it on your own time, all in one sitting, or like I said, 10 minutes a day, however you want to divide it, do your exercises, come back to your group and go through that coaching. 
And then you have your third section, which is more new topics on video. Um, and we close out with another coaching session and a celebration. So, so the, it's the coaching is you schedule to your own within your own calendar. So it sounds yeah. like there, there isn't anything that's at a locked time. It's super available for people according to when they can, when they can show up, which is really important right now. Exactly. Especially for parents. Cause like who has the time? And how can people learn more about this? It sounds like a great masterclass. Thank you. Thank you. So we have all the information on our website, which is super easy to remember. It's just sparkcollective.co. Um, the masterclass is listed there and they can see it. Our next one launches on April 19th. Very cool. We're going to have a, a bonus for anyone who is doing this masterclass. Our, we're having a special event with Emily Oster, who is a New York Times bestselling author of two books. She has a third one coming out in April. She's an economist who takes a look at all the studies around parenting and raising kids and analyzes them for um, the data gems and then kind of distills the data for parents and says, here's the data, do what you will. Um, and so we'll have an event with her, which is a bonus part of the masterclass. So folks can, if they sign up for this class, um, get started with the class on the 19th um, and come to the event with her on April 15th. Fantastic. Fantastic. I, something about that triggered a thought and it kind of fell out of my head. <clears throat> All right. So you've got this masterclass. It starts in a few weeks. So there's time to explore and sign up. Um, I'm trying to think what's missing. Is anything missing here? Is anything missing for you, Callum? No, I mean, I, I think what I would just encourage folks to do right now is that and Rich, you and I have talked about this before, it's just when we are feeling like um, we're really burnt out and we're just trying to go day by day and we're just hoping that there is light at the end of some tunnel somewhere. It's almost like, you know, a Newton's law of physics. It's like an object that's in the motion it's in will stay in that motion unless you interrupt it with some other force. And um, it's not to say that I want parents to add more to their plate or to feel like they are responsible for how they are feeling right now when so many other factors are at play here. But I do think that there is, we have tried to create at least a way to have some really high impact shifts in a relatively low investment of time. But whether it's this masterclass or it's working with a therapist or it's talking to a coach or even sitting down with your partner if you have one and actually looking them in the eye to have a conversation about what's going on and really connecting. Um, I wanna encourage folks to really put themselves first right now. I remembered what it is. The question okay. is, is there a limit to how many people the masterclass takes? <laughs> there will be. So that's the thing is um, because we're curating these small cohorts of folks for the coaching piece, uh, once the doors, once it's full, the doors will close. So I do encourage people to check it out as soon as possible. Um, and hit me up with any questions. You can do that through the website uh, because if we reach capacity, we reach capacity and then we'll have to wait until the next one launches. And I'm just gonna add in here uh, as, some, as a coach, I mean, I work with people in a very different area of people in high conflict, but what I, I actually run some masterclasses like this. And so what you all listeners need to know is that a masterclass is a way that you can get tools and education and coaching and connection probably in the least expensive way, yeah. short, short of just taking the class without the coaching and the connection, but the coaching and the connection are so important. It makes such a difference. And so this is a super value that Callan is offering. And there is going to be a limit to how many people 
are, can take this. So definitely explore it, check it out now. Yeah, absolutely. I have one question that I ask everyone when we get near the end, which is where we are. And that is, what is the legacy you want to leave behind, Miss Fleming? I love this question. Um, and I hope everyone pauses the podcast at this point too and like pretends they're on the podcast and answers it for themselves as well. Um, I'll say this. Uh, women, this time last year, women made history and became uh, the slight majority of workers in the workforce. And a year later, women's labor participation rate is at the rate it was in 1988. Mm. So we've had a generation's worth of progress wiped away in one year. And I think about 30 years from now, when my daughter is 33, and I don't want her to be entering a workforce that's worse off than the one I was in a year ago. And so the legacy that I am leaving in this work and that I am passionately committed to working on every single day, even when it's hard, is doing my part to make sure that we stop believing these myths that put caregiving and work at odds, that put women um, squarely in the home and men squarely at work and don't allow people to be human in their fullest context. Um, and that eventually, you know, that, that play out in situations like this where folks are just um, stunned by how poorly run and poorly managed it is. It's not the most articulate answer to this question, but I just don't want my daughter or anyone's daughters or my son to be in a situation or an environment that hasn't significantly improved during my time on earth. Um, and I actually think that we can do this in the next 30 years because we are in a moment where everyone is paying attention to this and 75% of the workforce are people between the ages of 42 and 27. Mm -hmm. And when you have that many people who are not all, but a lot having the same shared experience, mm -hmm. there is a lot of power there to shift the way that we do things. So I am encouraged, even though it is super hard right now. And I, I encourage, I think the masterclass or coaching or whatever it is, helps people to find their work to do in this moment. Love that. I love that. Yeah, the reality is that we are, we are all equal. Like that is a reality that already exists. Mm -hmm. What's in the way is we've made up all these stories like we were talking about. And exactly. there is in this moment, a huge opportunity to, to disengage from those stories and start over. Yep. And you know, it's like as a white man, that's a really easy thing to say, oh yeah, we're all equal already because there are lots of people who don't feel that. Yep. Right? And, but the, it's, the reality is we were all created equal. Like that's, that's real, you know, and the stories that we've made up is what's created this inequality. And, you know, if we all just jump in and start taking them down, it'll happen. I love this masterclass. I think it's super timely. Um, and I love what you stand for. Thank you so much for coming on the show. Thank you for having me. I appreciate it. And now I'm going to remember to stop recording instead of ending.